Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Stop, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr of Kales River, along with the chapters of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters and I'm joined as always by our rector, Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing on this wonderful, on this wonderful day? It's been a bit windy in Cape Town, apparently. Good day, Lindsay. Yes, it uh, uh, was striking that going into the week, and they were preparing us in the news about the kind of weather we would be experiencing and how they were encouraging people to stay indoors because of the of the um, the, the kind of weather we may be experiencing this weekend. We haven't seen much of it yet, mm. at least yet in Cape Town. So um, you know that kind of news kind of almost restricts your movements. But um, um, it's been it's been good. I mean, this, the the beauty of the sun still now going down I'm looking um, out of my western my my western window uh, towards mm. table mm. and I can see the beauty of the sun still you know showing its face to us yeah, um, yeah. so yeah the day the day is is beautiful I did I did worry that we may not be able to have church tomorrow because <laughs> of the weather but we'll see what happens uh, as the night goes on awesome um... Yeah, we have concluded the church in creation last week, and we are now starting the church at worship. This is obviously still your exploration of faith during this time of crisis. Um, Father, you've pulled out a little theme um, from the collect. Uh, would you please just explain that theme and then take us through the collect, and I'll catch up with you at the liturgy. Okay, the collect... Um... North Tyson gathers the lessons from the scriptures. And uh, so we look at uh, Jesus as the one who shows us what life can mean for us. And um, also the patterns we have to follow in our lives. I think we all are seeking meaning and we're all looking for models in which to pattern our lives on. In the collect, there is a petition that we are uh, asking God to draw us ever closer to Jesus and why does he need to why does why are we asking him to do this uh, and and we see that it's because in Jesus we find um, the, the meaning of of our lives and also a pattern on which our lives can uh, be modeled uh, in order for us to um, journey through this life with um, intention um, and and purpose um, in in even as we are, are engaged by challenges of all sorts so we begin uh, a call to worship my brothers and sisters the lord whose decrees are sure making wise the simple be with you good day and we trust that all is well with you our collect for this week let us pray that together is the 18th sunday in pentecost almighty god in jesus christ we find the meaning and pattern of our lives draw us ever closer to him that we may share in Christ's sufferings and live in the power of Christ's resurrection 
who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. So, Father, the first reading is an interesting one. It's Philippians 3, verses 4 to 14. Well, 4b to 14. And it begins with Paul kind of stating his entire Hebrewness, like, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Um, I, I'm just going to go through it in the in the New International Version um, because I think it captures kind of the the the, the poetry in, in in the language that he uses. So he says, "If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews." In regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And that is that is a, a perfect description of someone like that is the ideal kind of Jew. <laughs> um, if, if you were Jewish and you would hear someone say that, like you would look at Paul and say, you know what, you are like Jewish to the core. And then it's interesting that someone who, it's not like he was a fringe Jew. He was like a Jew Jew. And mm. then he would turn to Christ later in life after. I mean, he joined quite a while after Jesus had built up quite a, a following and he persecuted those uh, more liberal kind of, of Hebrews um, in his time. So what what is this what does this tell us what is Paul trying to say here Um I I think it's the kind of conversation you and I had um prior to us this service um what have we become and through what means have we become what has given meaning to our lives and what has shaped us what patterns have we followed and why do we hold on to them for dear life? So circumcision would have been an issue in those days. Um, the, the bloodline that you are part of, because it gives you a sense of identity. Mm. Then your mm. learning, your learning of life through the law, and then your, your uh, career, um, which is Pharisaic, and then uh, out of this, anything that smells different, you zealously persecute them because that is what you because the church showed a different pattern to what it was to be a pure-blooded Hebrew and a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, so, and so he was so deeply ingrained, the environment in which he was raised, he, he, you know, he was so um, shaped by it to the to to the hilt. I mean, um, he he was no factory fault. Yeah, he was yeah. he was he was uh, really shaped to the core, and hence he's um, he's he had no issue about persecution persecuting that those who differed from him, um, and I think that's what. You know, what you and I have been talking about, for example, um, how are you raising your children? Mm. You are mm. trying to say to them, they are role models to follow. 
we as parents have done certain things to help you become, uh, we've tried to give meaning to your life. Um, you belong to this bloodline and we are trying to broaden your perspective so that you can say what, what is your value that you will bring to the table in life. So your career, um, identity career, and then your passion, which is the, 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 the preservation here in Paul of, of the, the way of the Jew. Uh, the mm. church just comes and, and challenges all of that. And so you have to protect it. And the, be the best way you do it was you've been the power to silence it. Mm. And um, one of the things about persecution of the church in the Acts of the Apostles is that the more they were persecuted, the more the gospel spread. Because yeah. Yeah. as they were running away, they were influencing people along the route all the way to Rome or to the end to the ends of the earth. So Paul is telling us how he was raised, how he was shaped, uh, where his focus was brought to, what meaning did he learn about life, where did he, where did he hang, hook his values onto, and what kind of uh, career would he have and person he would become. Um, and, and, and so he was so, so um, shaped by all of that, that for this man to then change, uh, would one would see, see it almost as being impossible? Mm. Why did these things now become of less importance to him than uh, when he says, "I reckon everything as loss for Christ's sake"? Why mm. would that stand out for him? So I, 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 I hope I, I, I responded to you correctly because all of us need to look at our own shaping. You know, yeah. those of us that grew up, um, we are shaped by, in the 60s, by this kind of pop culture and that kind of pop culture and this kind of theological thinking and that manner of Christian way and this career that we could follow um, and uh, what idols we had and the kind of parents that, you know, shaped us by they, themselves in their careers. And so we, we are... Who we have become is not of our own making, um, but we then decide whether we're going to continue following that in terms of our own choice of becoming. Mm. You know, so what then would be meaningful to me and, and what are the patterns I'm going to, 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 to follow? For, for example, um, money becomes a great influencing factor in our millennial lifestyle. You, you know, um, unless you have money, you won't have power. Unless you have money, you won't have status. So the value systems have changed and therefore your, your pop cultures have changed and therefore your idols have changed. Mm. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're trying to, to define the kind of world you believe should be there. So here in Paul's world, he didn't believe the church should exist. Yeah. Um, um, and, and he saw the churches as, as, as probably a corrupt um, entity that needed to be um, cut to the roots. Mm. Quite definitely. Um, but but it's interesting that 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 you bring up like that like what what path your your life will follow and the choices that you make because it 
especially in the light of like Heritage Day, where I mean, as 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 a brown person, there is no real cultural heritage to speak of, or at least known cultural heritage to to uphold. Like I was, I wasn't very close with my extended family, so like I don't know all of those stories, and so I think having my life and my kind of identity open to my own interpretation. And I've I've never been a slave to the the Vatani Mensa dunk mentality. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> because like I I've also I've also I mean there's a bit of tension, but I've never understood that as well. Like where your parents where what you do kind of reflects on how you were raised. And it's like not really. <laughs> I mean, you, we are all open to to make our own decisions. So the thing that I try and instill in my kids is just to know who they are, to like try and figure out for themselves like who they are. Like when they ask me questions, I, I and Monique hates it <laughs> because I I have this rule where I will not lie to my children. Um, mm. If I know something to be true and they ask me a direct question, I will give them the answer that I know. Um, mm. So, but, yeah. <laughs> but, though, but the answer you give subconsciously and consciously have been developed over time with you. Yes. Um, yes. I was just, I was listening to an interview that I was keeping um, just the other day, and I wondered, as I reflected on my experiences, how was I able to sit and listen without writing any notes down? And then when I, when I speak, when I share, when it's an opportunity for me now to say something, that I was able to capture the, what I understood to be the, the important nuances of the story. But as I retold them, I also uh, uh, found that other things were coming by that the person also may have shared. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so along the way, what, what, when we are asked in your case, when you're asked a question by your children, I mean, can you imagine your whole being is being, is in, is, 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 is put into first gear now and you are wanting to respond, not just off the cuff, but a gathering of your whole experience mm. of life to be able to answer one simple question that your child is asking you. <laughs> in the current moment and um and so i think that i think that you know when we look back uh, apartheid did more things to us than we can ever imagine yeah it robbed us from our own stories um we 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 we, we weren't we weren't able to hear the stories of our people and a Appreciate them. You know what? What does it mean for me that my father's father came from Saint Helena Island? Mm. Why did he transition to Cape Town? What was the island, mm. and why would it have been important for him to be in Cape Town? My mother's family come from the Mackerel, and I have a closer association with that experience um, and what was life like in the Macoland where my grandfather was part of a community 
that was um, uh, that, that was placed in a reserve for coloured people. Yeah, the government had put a fence around them, and that was, and for them that was that was gave them a deeper sense of identity, even though it was part of their oppression. Yeah. Yeah. So what would his storytellings have have helped me think? Because everything that they would tell us in the world that we went to learn, the educational facilities where we were exposed to, said that those were secondary stories that had no value mm. in an apartheid-driven society. So no wonder we say there's nothing of our heritage that we can actually celebrate the 24th of september mm. because we've we've we, they, they were treated as not having any value even by us of course you have the infiltration of other cultures through the media um yeah. the medium of films and radio we sat and listened to stories and looked at these stories and we found an identity with them but did they foster for us helpful meaning for our life? Did they give us good patterns to shape our lives by? That's the question. Mm. And so a lot of us, in order to deeply appreciate, you know, we sp you and I spoke earlier about the darkness and the light yeah. uh, transposed in our own lives. Um, we, we have not genuinely, I think, done enough reflection backwards to regain value that we've missed out on and appreciation of stories that whose tomes have relevance to who I am mm. right mm. now and would have great value to be able to let our children and grandchildren know about that. Because why do we, even when our party is no longer legislated for, keep having to deny ourselves? Hmm. So, so Paul makes a point in his own Christian journey of saying, this is where I come from. Yeah. But are they still important to me? Do I still hold on to this pattern or is there something better I need to look forward? And he gives the answer when he meets Jesus on the road. And yeah. he says, he says, I reckon everything has complete loss for the sake of what is so much more valuable, the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. So, of course. That is a challenging phrase and testimony on its own. It is. But given, given the, the fertile ground that, that you've made now in your, in, in your point, um, isn't it a big ask, or at least is he asking the Hebrews, the traditional Hebrews, to forsake their cultures and their heritage? to embrace Christianity. I think what he's saying to them is you should reevaluate where you have put value in the light of who Jesus is. 
and ask yourselves, are there some of the things here that we must still hold on to in the way that we are holding on to? Rather, should we not reevaluate? Um, knowing, knowing Christ Jesus brought value to his life. Hmm. That doesn't mean he's what is what has he given up here? He's given up the profit of what this first life meant to him to the point of persecution of others. Now, if yeah. that's what if that is what your, your your the meaning and pattern of your life has become, that you eventually now persecuting others, then what is the value of what you what you claim to be? So knowing knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. How does that impact on that which I used to find value? So therefore, I've got to reevaluate my life now in this revealed light of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And of course, this comes out of his experience on the road to Damascus, mm. where in the darkness, the light of Christ uh, met him, encountered him. So it was a whole reevaluation of who he was, where he come from, and why was he holding on to some of these things with such zeal that it led to him embracing an action of persecution and violence. So it's a, it's a really interesting door that you're opening now because it does lead towards the gospel where um, the parable of the landowner has been... It, it, it sometimes gets used as as just Christians dunking on on the Hebrews and, and the Jews, because it, one interpretation of, of the story is that um, the, the Hebrews were the farmers who the, the, the landowner had rented the, the land to, um, and then that Jesus was the son that was sent who they killed. Um, but but to 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 get to that point, is Paul or the Saul to Paul journey? Is it universal universally applicable? Because like <laughs> we we can't say that the homogeneity of Christianity is the ideal, um, because that that you lose so much beauty in the diversity of the different cultures that have shaped this world. Um, like, would, would you be happy, you, Father Rodney Whiteman, would you be happy if the entire world turned to Christianity? I would, I would say that it would be wonderful if the world's eyes could be focused on who Jesus is. Because when we talk about Christianity in its broader sense, um, it boils down to denominationalism. Yeah. And when it boils itself down to denominationalism and church traditions, we lose sight of what, what, what the church is really about. And the, the church is really about the Christ whom God sent because he loved the world so much. And yeah. so, yeah. so um, it would for me be the focus on who Jesus is. As Paul says, um, 
um, coming to the knowledge of Christ Jesus, and he says it as my Lord. So, so um, you know, I'm, I'm always moved by Gandhi's words when he says, um, I like your Jesus of the New Testament, but not the Christianity that's displayed in, in the way that you guys have so-called displayed Christianity. So there's also been a corruption around the, the brand called Christianity. Mm. For mm. me, it's more around the person of Jesus and the fact that he reveals this, this God of all who loves the world in its uh, diversity. Uh, and through the sun calls the world uh, into um, into life again, and um, that a again here we go back to Paul's that a person who describes himself as being pure-blooded, as being zealous, uh, as being righteous, obeying the commands of the law, um, mm. could could change and here comes your word in yes you talk about evolution yeah there is no yeah. way that lindsay has stayed the same that there's been influences along the way that's given you deeper meaning to what life could be and should be um your the thinking and your and your ideas also, the fact that you 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 you, be, you become a, a married man, you've got children, and now your whole focus, the evolution in you, has taken a new role because you now have to give meaning to of life to your to your offspring. Mm. Um, you mm. need to look for healthy patterns that they could follow, um, uh, and and so whilst whilst. Uh, all of this is taking place within um, the, the culture of the Hebrews, where, where Jesus came to be. It's a reflection on all cultural circumstances, because when we look at the stories he tells us, they're not peculiar just to the Jewish culture. Um, but he was working from where he was. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I, one of the words that got me uh, thinking is is this um is are these words listen to another parable as if to say it doesn't seem as if the parables i told before have really helped you to think these things through um so maybe i should tell the story in this way to maybe make you think about the cultural traps you've fallen into and you can't seem to get yourself out of um so it's so in other words Paul, Paul is asking the question, what really brings value to our life? What really brings value to our life? Is it all the things that he has mentioned here, or is it knowledge of Christ Jesus as Lord? Very interesting, because um, when, when it comes to like evolution, um, the, like the, the, the founding the foundational philosophy behind it is obviously the origin of species and then survival of the fittest. So given that Christianity has grown to what it is, like from the roots that we have shown where Christians were persecuted, like um, Israel was conquered many times over by many different cultures, um, 
I, I can't I can't reconcile Christianity as being the final evolution of the philosophy of inclusive inclusivity and universal love. Because then you look towards what Islam was founded as, where the Prophet took a lot of learnings or lessons from Christianity, distilled it down to its kind of core tenets, and then built in a ritual, or at least rituals that can then keep the worshiper focused on like the end goal so like the praying five times a day and like all of the rituals in islam is just to kind of bring you back to center um so in my mind like that is an active ritualistic faith and would be a better representation of like the final form of the theolo- the ph- philosophical idea that that that, that Christianity is trying to bring about. Okay, so if you, <laughs> if your child comes to you with a question, yeah, do you send them to the encyclopedia, or do you yourself try to answer them? Why are they asking the question to you and not to a book or a set of rules, Ooh, which are a- of a, which are of a secondary nature to the relationship they have with you? If they can learn through you, through being in a relationship with you, even though you may take that book and sit with them and read with them through it, what makes more of an impression upon their learning and their growing was that my father sat with me and read through what I've asked him mm-hmm. and he would explain to me. So what I'm saying to you is this. Is, is a set of rituals and tenets uh, which obviously should help point us to the one we claim to believe but the essence of faith is not about the book it's about the one we are called to to believe in and the one who calls us into relationship again i have to bring up um um augustine's words lord you've made us for yourself that's the starting point yeah and our and our lives are restless our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you so even if we do pack our lives with tenants and and laws and rituals the intention of those things are that they that in within themselves they not they not they don't have the meaning but they have the meaning because they point to the one in whom we are called to believe um and 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 and, and journey within this life so christianity is not down to a book yeah whilst the book and all the learnings of the faith are there, they point to the one in whom we have a relationship with, the one in whom we are called to to live our lives in meaningful ways. So it's about that relationship with Jesus Christ that Mm. all Mm. of these things point to that will have the the ultimate meaning. Now, for example, Paul Paul looks uh, at all the things that he valued and did not find what he was looking for until he met Jesus. He thought he had fulfilled his life. But when he met Jesus, the story changed. Why did it change so radically? What was knowing Jesus in that personal way that made him recognize 
that whilst all of these things will, I will not lose them. They are learnings that have shaped my life, but they are no, they are no, they've, they've no significant value to me as they had before. But they are part of my journey and they've enriched my life until a particular point. I now reevaluate them in the light of Christ to see what their meaning for my life could be going forward. Mm. So, so, so we, whilst we may use the book and whilst we may exercise rituals and while we may talk about ethical behavior and so forth, it's all based on who Jesus is because who Jesus is points us to who God is. So, so of course, this is controversial. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a very controversial statement. Yeah. You know, um, does, I mean, I remember reading or looking at the, at the YouTube uh, thing where, an, where an, an imam had said he got to know Christ not through the Bible of the Christians, but through the Quran. Yes. So how did Paul meet Jesus on the road to Damascus? Mm. So Very therefore, yeah. sorry. No, no, no. Uh, finish your your point. Now, so so therefore, for me, I mean, when 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 uh, Gandhi said to the church people, you know, the way that you portray in Christ does not gel with the portrayal of who Jesus is according to the New Testament. So mm. he found mm. the New Testament Christ, the true Christ, over against the Christ. Exemplary. The church had just thrown him out of now because he's, the color of his skin was not right. Yeah. The New Testament says, no, that is not how it works. So, you know, it's very difficult now to begin to divorce Christianity. I mean, I find it very interesting how the evangelical church believes that Mr. Trump is God sent. And they go to Isaiah 45 to claim this reality according to how they understand it. Can you imagine that we're looking at a person who, who does not give a damn who people are? I'm to, to apologize for my language, but I'm just trying to make the point here. Yeah. Who cares nothing about other people, whose only care is his ego, egocentrical self, and yet, He's celebrated almost as if he is a liberator, he's a savior to these evangelical Christians. How can we even embrace such, such teachings? Just because they use the Bible? It's open to interpretation. Remember, even the great Gandhi fought for the freedom of all except black people. <laughs> yeah. Because we all have, we all, you said it early on, we all have darkness in our souls. Yes. And that's what we've got to, oh, that is what we, I mean, um, some years ago, more than 25 years ago now, when there was consideration sending women to the priesthood, um, do you know the kind of things we had to go through to get to the acceptance thereof? And I had to ask myself the question when this was raised. When I had the sense of call to the priesthood, was part of God's criteria for me around my gender? 
And I could not in my reflection pick up anything that suggested God called me to the priesthood because I happened to be male. Uh, well, and because uh... of that, because of that, I therefore could therefore say, and also reading whom God called in the in the in the New Testament stories, I could easily say, then I have no problem with women being ordained to the priesthood. Yeah. 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 Because I had to look at it did my masculinity give me value? Therefore, I'm a priest. And if that's how short-sighted I am about my vocation, then I'm in big trouble. Yeah. Again, the whole thing about did God, did God call me because I happen to have this beautiful English word called heterosexual attached to my name, that therefore, based on my sexuality, God called me. That was the tick in the box on the in the box of what vocation means. If that's what vocation means, then I have serious problems with it. Yeah. We look at the whole the whole of you know, it doesn't mean that because you and I struggle with these things that God struggles with them. Well, there's that whole I think we brought it up last week about um, um, the being molded in the image of God and like yeah, that whole idea. I don't subscribe to that idea at all because it's very problematic because um, then we start anthropomorphizing God and adding human traits to a deity that is supposed to be so far above our consciousness that we have no idea. But let's move swiftly to the gospel because we 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 knocking on this door the whole time. Um, Matthew 21 verses 33 to 46. Um, with the parable, the landowner planted a vineyard, dug a fence around it, gave it to, leased it to tenants and went to another country. Then when harvest time came, he sent his servants to collect um, the taxes for at least his produce. And they killed one and they beat one and they stoned another. And then he sent his son and they killed the son because somehow they thought that they would get his inheritance. I don't understand that part. And then Jesus asks, this is the same um, scholars he was arguing with in last week's gospel where they asked him who gives him the authority. Um, so this is just another parable that he was using to, to, to kind of relate his idea. So he asked him, so what will the owner do now? Like, what will he do to those tenants? And then he never gives them an answer. So we never find out. With, we can intimate that Jesus is kind of describing himself as the son um, that was then killed. So that's a lot of like, what, what do you call it? I forget the, the literary device there. Um, it's like foreshadowing, like his own death. And then yeah. he says to them that, Jerusalem will be taken from them and given to people who will do work for the kingdom. Um, who is Jesus in this and why does he never give them like an answer? Why, why does he ask them a question and then never answer it himself? Yeah, if we go back to verse 33, yeah. he, 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 he paints the picture again of a very generous landowner yes. who have, yeah. has given 
full um, infrastructure to the vineyard, making it usable and therefore producible and profitable. And he is leasing this to tenants. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. When, you, when you go through the process of leasing something to, to tenants, um, of course, there's got to be agreements along the way. Yeah. So yeah. I will keep my word as the landowner, and I won't bother you about <coughs> uh, unnecessary stuff. And you as tenants, when it comes to the harvest time, you will then fairly uh, enable me to collect the, the produce that I agreed to with, I suppose, was part of the lease agreement to yeah. pay yeah. for the lease. So was this landowner fair? Was he practicing good uh, generosity and justice? And um, so in a way, this landowner acted out on the lease agreement of the tenants. Now, I think when, when we think of lease agreements in our context, you hear quaint, quaint stories of what um, happens when tenants occupy property. I think yeah. there's a court yeah. case now about property being um, occupied by tenants during the COVID time, and there's a high court case against this. Uh, uh, the yeah, high the high court said the rule that they, they can't be evicted, um, yeah. <laughs> or at least so, forcibly so, removed. So putting tenants into your place is a risky business. Yes. Then also going to another country, not spying on them or checking out on them, but trusting that they would keep to the lease agreement. Yeah. And this, this landowner seems to be more than generous. How must he have felt when having sent slaves to collect, um, they, some are beaten, killed, some are killed, and uh, another is stoned? Isn't that enough? go back and chuck these people out then of course he goes to the next one and and finally the son is the one and and at this stage the tenants would have believed that they would have worn this owner out so much that once they killed his son then therefore they would um he would he would is an old man i suppose What, what what energy would he have to fight them now so in fact they would take over his property. Yeah. Um, now, does he leave the, the readers and the listeners to um, think about what would be the outcome after the son is killed? And then he does give a response. He will put those wretches to a miserable death, lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. No, he doesn't so, say that. Yes, the, verse 41. The priest said Oh, sorry, that. The, the lady said that the, the, they gave the answer. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yes. So they saw in their own mind what could have happened. Yeah that the punishment for these people would be of such. Yet Jesus then answers them back and says, have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, 
and it is amazing in our eyes. Here now he begins to take reference to himself. Yeah. That once the cornerstone is in the building, you can't throw the building down by removing the cornerstone. Or maybe you can. Taking the cornerstone out will make the whole crumble. Yeah. So just how important is the sun? Because he is the cornerstone of the father's ongoing business. Yeah. And then Jesus relates this to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people that produce the fruits of the kingdom. So in other words, here Jesus gives the answer. You have been given the covenant life. You have been given the tenants of the law. But what have you produced by it? And now, because you're behaving in the way you did, what you have is going to be taken away from you. And so the kingdom is going to be given to someone else. And we kept hearing in the way he tells these stories, it be given to the very people they thought were unlikely to enter God's kingdom. Yeah. Last week, yeah. it was tax collectors and prostitutes. I suppose in that would also be Gentiles. Mm. The very people they, they thought. So, in a way, uh, they wanted it all to themselves. There's a nationalism about the story. Um, was that the intention of giving them the covenant and the law? That they would nationalize it and make it culturally Jewish? Was that the intention? Was was God going was God going to want? And your question about do you want the church? Do you want the world to be full of Christians? So here is a kind of a story that says, do you want the world to be Jewish? Will they be okay if they're Jewish? God calls us to be more than what we've made ourselves to be. Um, we are to be people of the kingdom that produces the fruits of the kingdom. Whether you be from whatever culture, your calling now is to bear, is to produce the fruits of the kingdom. That is the most striking thing that, that, that should happen. And um, when you have blind leaders like chief priests and Pharisees um, who, who listen, but with unrepentant hearts, they their hearts continue to be like this, these tenants who thought that they could gain the inheritance by silencing the sun. This is not a very easy story to comprehend. Um, may I say that uh, to you, Lindsay? Yeah. Because we read into it, you know, does it mean Jesus is now... Um, replacing Israel by bringing in the unlikely people of the Gentiles. Mm. Uh, is this a critique of how Israel has become that they needed to, to be jacked up uh, with a leadership challenge to recognize that God is far bigger than what they made him to be? 
and that all that they had educated themselves in, um, the kingdom is much broader than what we think it is. If we have to look at that sentence, uh, God, then therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. That their focus is on the kingdom, not on themselves. That so, what, yeah. So here's here's my read of it, right? Because he never characterizes, like he never he moves swiftly from the parable into the the cornerstone story. Yes. So it might be in my reading because the landowner he sees or at least in this parable is somehow at fault for wanting the fruits like wanting to maintain ownership on the fruit where the people are actually kind of within their rights so that that's why i think he says that the stone that the boulders rejected has become the cornerstone where the Pharisees said that they, like the landowner, should put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give the produce, at, who will give him the produce at the harvest time. And he's like, no, like the land is there for the people to enrich themselves on, and not give those fruits of their labor to somebody else. Um, I don't know. That that's just my read. It, it, it came to me now. I was gonna hit you with a curveball of. Yeah, but who gave the landowner the rights to the land? But I think this is a more eloquent way <laughs> of bringing that. I think it goes around, doesn't it go around what was decided in the lease agreement? It could. It could. The lease but, but... agreement it determines here was a landowner generous enough to, to give the land that he owned, however he owned it, and also put infrastructure in it for the benefit of production. Yeah, and all yeah. that he wanted as part of the lease agreement was what his produce was. Why did these tenants become so greedy? Does it mean that they were lazy and didn't produce enough? Did they produce so much that they, they, their wealth had grown and they thought, we are to heck with you, we're going to just take over at all the profits that, that we can? So no, but, but remember, 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 like throughout this entire podcast, we've been saying about how important language is. So the yes. language that he uses in this parable is the landowner planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, dug a press in it and built a watchtower. So it's important that he made that point. Um. And I think that speaks to the whole, because remember, he's being questioned about his authority as well. So he will then set up a story where this person has assumed authority. And then he subverts it by saying, like, the land is there for everybody to, to grow on. You know, why did you have to put the fence around it? Why couldn't the people, you know, use the, the produce for themselves instead of making this owner who had the means to move to a different country, like why must they fatten him up when, when so they why could? Did, why yeah? would they have gone into an agreement of leasing with him? 
which now, was a, the, a legal entity. This is the thing, and I, and I think it revolves around that 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 question of authority. It's like, who gave the landowner authority to own the land? You know, it like was, that. It's it's a it's a it's a weighted question. <laughs> I warn you. Wasn't wasn't the lease agreement author authorizing the the tenants to work the land, out of which they could be profitable, and they just pay what they owe on the lease? Is there no fairness in all of that? What made them become violent? What made them decide that they, if they killed his son, the inheritance could be theirs? Why? Why do they? What it was was their word, not their honor. Um, but it's the foundation of that lease that that I'm calling into question. Is like, who gave the landowner the authority to fence in the land? Like, who did? And and then like, why did he leave? And like, clearly he, he like he he wouldn't go hungry without. Um, those profits from that land, you know. I understand that, but but if you if you if you putting up your property for leasing, you are mm. giving somebody an an opportunity that they may not have had. So are we just leasing our lives from God? Um, in a way, how did we get this life? Who did we get it from? And and how are we meant to live it? Is are there benefits in it for us to whom it was given? Is it benefit to him who gave it to us? Um, what is the wisdom of God in all of this? Yes, this is you the simple question. Yeah, and 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 whilst that may be part of the whole mystery of of life, uh, the fact that we've been given with a gift that we had. That it comes through no means of our own, um, that has involved other people, and um, I mean, we could argue that there was expenses attached to it. Um, yeah. In the in the this it's the desire within a a husband and a wife to have children, um, and and so we're given the ability to produce, and so what's the benefit of having children? Um, when we are able to have them. And um, so part of all of this is a whole lot of mystery we don't know the answers to, mm. except that we, 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 you know, we have, like these tenants, we have to focus on. So we have the run of this place based on our word and the word of the landowner. And so if we then do our work properly, He's putting proper, I mean, if you, you could interpret, for example, putting a fence around it, not as, as, as that which keeps people from doing whatever they want in the land, but as a form of protection. Um, if these people were leasing and they were working the land uh, so that it can properly produce, others could come where there's no fence and steal from that top, making them mm. uh, weak. But he, 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 that's probably a security means. Uh, wine press at his own cost, a watchtower. So all of the, a watchtower, all of these were secure measures for them. Uh, they didn't have to add anything except to work the land and to collect the harvest. 
So what made them decide that, man, he's not here. We can just do what we like. They went back on their own word, their own agreement. Um, how would they then be people that would be seen as trustworthy? So therefore, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you because you proved not to be trustworthy and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. Also, one could argue that they had no respect for human life, beating people up, seizing them, killing them, stoning them. What kind of people were these tenants? Um, did, the, did the lease that they have make them think they had all the power to dominate? Um, uh, what kind of tenants were these? It's obviously tenants that did not produce fruits that were worthy of the kingdom. Um, so I, I still maintain that um, the church is where... I'll, I'll, I'll just stick to like the language that, that, that gets used throughout all the scripture that we've been studying. Um, where, what, what is it that the, the church is where two people, or at least Jesus said... Where two, two people come together, two. two or three in agreement, yeah. like he will be there with them. So right. I think the agreement here is where the 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 workers, if they could come together and enrich their own community or the community with those profits and not give it to the landowner, because like what authority does the landowner have? So like I I, I think the sub the, the subversion here might be calling to like the 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 temple in jerusalem was built it, the the city was walled in um that, that's like a landowner kind of preparing his land like dug in the like all of those things that that was built on top of the ideas of of hebrew the hebrew nation and then that with no regard for how the people could sustain themselves um, before giving the taxes. So the taxes were collected before there's any mention of how the people are sustaining themselves. So is, is having a roof over your head and a place to live enough or having the agency to reap rewards from your hard work that you put in on the land? How, how did he rob them? All he's collecting was his produce. So what was the lease agreement? If you produce 100% of the harvest, what percentage would have been fair to the tenants for the rich landowner um, to say, okay, I give you... 60% if you give me 40%. So therein lies the rub. You see, you're making assumptions here, and that was never given in the parable. Now Those, look, look at verse 34. The, the it says to collect, to collect his produce. What yes, would be his, his produce, produce? Not his share, his produce. So now, all of the produce that is produced on his now, land would be now, his produce. <laughs> you, you won't be able to lease fairly if you are taking the whole produce. In that, in those times, it would be 
You remember the story of the oil merchant? Where yeah, the but, manager but I'm was... saying you're making assumptions here where I'm, I'm just using the story as it is told and I'm finding the subversion in it. But I'm, I think... I'm looking at the lease agreement. <laughs> yeah, but and we, his we, produce. Getting into the weeds now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still stuck on my idea that, that it's, it's the least likely answer that is the right one. I'm saying right speculatively. Um, and I will allow your closing remarks and um, then you can give us a couple of other points of reflection for the week going forward. <laughs> Um, look, I, I'm sure any story could have its um, read into things that, like, we, we don't know precisely offhand. I don't know what kind of lease agreements Jesus would have been talking about. So yeah. for our homework, that would have been something that would have been interesting because he spoke about the lease agreements and tenants and landowners into a context that um, that that they would have understood. It is, it is interesting that when he asks them in verse 40, what will the owner of the, of the when, he, when he comes due to these tenants, they give him an answer. Mm. He will put these wretches miserably. So their knowledge of leasing would mean that these uh, tenants renaded on the lease agreement and they were guilty of violence and murder. So there would have been, in terms of the law, punishment to be dealt out for them. In fact, the way they answer it, it would have seemed as if it's the landowner who dishes out this kind of punishment for, I mean, he even doesn't call them tenants anymore. They call them wretches now. Mm. Because they renaded on the lease agreement, um, and then and and so the, I saw so I year too because the year in that second part of verse forty one and le the lease and lease the vineyard to other tenants will give him the produce at the harvest time. Now, does the produce mean everything, or is it based on what the lease agreement would have said? So we need to do a study of what the lease agreements meant in the time of Jesus, for mm. us to perhaps mm. understand that, that even more. Also, what does land ownership mean? Mm. Um, they, they were the people robbed of their lands. They couldn't rule it because the Romans had overtaken them there. So, so um, land was crucial to the whole covenant of, 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 you know, going back to the covenant history. Mm. Um, give them a land of milk and honey. So why is it that they were constantly just uh, these naughty tenants? Um, wh why is it that they were not living up to the standard of the covenant that God had given to the people of Israel uh, when he'd given them land? So there are lots of things that we can probably read into the story, lots of things we can draw from it. Uh, the point was that obviously there was tension between Jesus and the religious leaders of his time. And Jesus' response in Matthew's gospel particularly was to tell them parables mm. um, and to also through the parables help them to understand, you know, are the choices that they're making really in line with 
what they believed the covenant or the covenant and the law was all about. What was God's intention with Israel? And because Israel just didn't get it, does that now mean God opened up the covenant to others who were not included in the first round, as it were? So these these parables um, obviously are very crucial to the way Jesus taught about the kingdom and also how he engaged the people of his time to to understand what his teachings on the kingdom of, of heaven was um, or the kingdom of God was. So we need to do some homework here um, because it, it does, in fact, um, make us talk about some of the background we don't really remember or haven't encountered yet. So definitely we'll talk about, about the leasing story in the future. But I think I want to commend you for this in that you, you remembered the main argument of last week's um, whose authority are you doing this by? Um, and you try to say, how does that point talk to this point of today? Um, who gives the, and in fact, it was interesting in the story, they gave the landowner the authority to put those wretches to a miserable death, mm. release it to other tenants, and still collect the harvest. So they didn't seem to have problems with Jesus' telling of the story. Yeah. It was yeah. when they realized focus was put on them that made these things. You know. So, I mean, I, I, you probably could, your question leads, leads itself to a socio-political issue. You know, how, how is it that people can own land? And why should those who work the land benefit less from it than obviously wealthy uh, uh, landowners, um, which is where you are, which, which you're talking about, but is this is that the intention of the story told initially? So we go on to some prayers with that challenging uh, thoughts around the uh, uh, obviously very difficult reading, which one is which one is glad one has received. In our prayers, Lindsay, today we are um, we celebrate God as the God of salvation who sent his son Jesus to seek out and to save the lost. And so on behalf of those who are lost in our day, we ask God to hear our prayers and to receive our petitions and thanksgivings with his unending compassion. The refrain throughout of this uh, prayer that we're doing for Sunday is praise the Lord for he is good. Sing to God with thanksgiving. And using the gospel as uh, the, the tool for prayer, um, we, the, the, the composer says, Lord of the vineyard. Rooted and grafted in you, your church bears fruit to your glory. So our prayer is that God may nourish and strengthen um, 
for the task you have purposed the church. And we ask him also to tend the vine, which is the church that he has planted. Lord of the vineyard, you expect nations to produce the wine of justice. And so we petition the Lord of the vineyard to raise up leaders who will promote conditions in which all may flourish. And we also ask him to defend the poor and weak, the vulnerable and those easily overlooked. Lord of the harvest, you give all people the ability to choose between right and wrong. Give us in all our moral dilemmas and the new challenge, guide us, sorry, in all the moral dilemmas and the new challenges we face. And of course, particularly, we think of COVID-19 and all that uh, it brings with it, you know, our economy, uh, job losses, uh, um, hunger, and, and all of that. Keep us from evil intent and sliding into destructive ways. Lord of the vineyard, you prepare wholesome fruit to refresh and revive us, quench our thirst for wholeness and healing, restoring in us your mercy, bring us to declare your glory. The Lord of the harvest, you hold before us the cup of salvation, raise up all who have died, and we remember those who have died over this past week and weekend, bringing us to share in the new vine of your kingdom. We continue to pray at COVID-19, author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, give us wisdom to find relief, give us faith to be responsible, and grant for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And then in conclusion, Lindsay, we pray the commission and blessing. Go now in the righteousness of faith and live by God's just demand. Let nothing claim your devotion above the Lord and count nothing of value above knowing Christ. Press on towards the ultimate prize of being one with him. May God's perfect word revive your soul. May Christ Jesus be your savior and your rock. And may the Holy Spirit strengthen you to press ever onward. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. <laughs>